the video hosting and video marketing service every marketer should be aware of with Phil Nottingham. Welcome to Martech Stacked, episode number four. Brought to you by Content Cow, plan, collaborate on, approve, and publish your content in one simple and intuitive calendar interface. This is Martech Stacked, the weekly show that delves into the what, which, why, and how of marketing technology. I'm your host, David Bain, and each episode I'll be chatting with a top marketer or a top technologist about what MarTech they use, which are their top tools, why they use the tools that they do, and how they integrate everything together as part of their overarching content marketing strategy and MarTech stack. Joining me today is a brand and video marketing strategist who finds it very irritating that so many big creative and advertising agencies make a lot of money while reporting on bad metrics. He's a former SEO consultant and video strategist for Distilled, a current brand and marketing strategist for Wistia, and a current freelance video strategist. Welcome, Phil Nottingham. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, great to have you on uh, here, Phil. So, Phil, explain kind of what your business does. Um, uh, we're obviously focusing on Wistia today, mm -hmm. and um, how you use um, as a brand marketing technology to make it better. Sure. So, so Wistia's marketing is kind of all led by brand, um, and our view is that our kind of mission in the world is to try and make business more creative, more human, and to really scale the person-to-person -person communication that often gets lost when we add a huge amount of technology um, into the situation. So somewhat paradoxically, um, we have tried to use marketing technology, which is you know, a tool that often allows us to automate much of our communication. Um, we've tried to use that to kind of scale creativity. So to try and um, enable us to be, bring the best, most creative selves and scale that to more people in a more um, you know, effective manner so that we can really communicate um, almost like one-to-one -one in a meaningful way with all of our customers. So we view the way that creative, um, the way that technology works best is when it's able to harness sort of the, the essential good forms of creative communication. And that's what we do. So we work out what we want to do creatively and through our brand, and we then use marketing technology to, to scale this up. So you're really looking at marketing technology through the prism of content marketing. Is, is that the main focus of marketing technology at the moment within Wistia? It, uh, to an extent, um, to the extent that sort of Wistia, uh, our, most of our marketing is content led, but I would say it's more always through the lens of that creative communication. So, you know, even with email, we're thinking, okay, well, how can we do this more creatively? How can we kind of engage people in a more personal way? Um, and that's sort of the way we do stuff. So it's about how do we build those connections between brand and uh, customer in a way that really helps build that relationship that lasts for a long time. Okay, uh, so even though it's uh, obviously a video brand, the majority of your content marketing isn't necessarily just video. You you still have the full marketing mix to focus on. Yeah, sure. I mean, so with video is our, our kind of primary lens, and you know, our view is if if it can have a video, it probably should. So we have a big um, a team called Wistu Studios that are in charge of creating all the the video content. But certainly, we also obviously use a lot of imagery, a lot of photography. We write a lot of blog posts. We do a lot of emails. So there's there's a the whole kind of spectrum of media types to work with, and we try and try and do them all. Great. Okay. Well, hopefully we'll get a little bit more of a flavor of your current um, content marketing model uh, a little bit later in the discussion. But um, let's um, zero in on your top three MarTech tools at the moment. So starting off with number three, what are your top three tools in your current MarTech stack and why? Sure. So for number three, I'm going to go for the HubSpot CRM. 
um, which we use uh, really to understand more about our customers and deliver more personal communication to them. So uh, our focus is to sort of integrate all the data we have across our website, across video playback, across all the different um, tools that we're using to communicate with people and build a kind of an understanding of our audience through that lens. And the CRM is a great kind of repository for that and a way in which we can manage all those communications. So things like email, um, personalized content on the website, um, you know, particular forms of outreach, the interactions with our sales team, we all do this through that kind of essential HubSpot CRM architecture. And it allows us to understand more about the particular people that we're speaking to on any given day and then change the way we're communicating to match with the things that they're likely to want or the way in which they're likely to want to be spoken to. Um, so things like the content they've consumed, the products they've used, how far they've got through each particular um, you know, training course type content that we offer. Um, and then this gives us a spectrum of understanding of kind of their progress and development towards um, using our product, which is you know video marketing technology itself. And so obviously HubSpot is a bit of a Goliath tool out there. Do Wistia use HubSpot to its full extent, i.e. would you use um, it to create landing pages as well and um, um, every single aspect possible or do you just use certain aspects of, of HubSpot? Yeah, we only use part of it. We just use the CRM. Uh, our website is built, uh, the CMS we use is called Contentful and we've it's sort of built on this um you know, it's a headless CMS, so it has a lot more flexibility and we like to create kind of unique landing pages there. So, so we have a kind of a semi-custom uh, solution for our website. We don't use HubSpot, which um, in my view is perfectly good CMS, but it's quite uh, restrictive and quite, you know, buckets you into doing things in a certain way that doesn't necessarily work for us. So we really just use the CRM um, product for our sales and marketing. So it's really about that essential customer database and communication that we that we use it for. And in my view, that's um, that's HubSpot's best uh, product um, at the moment. And uh, obviously the one that they've been running with the longest. And did you consider other platforms for a CRM? And um, yeah, why did you actually choose HubSpot? Yeah, we, we have used Salesforce at various points. We've used MailChimp for a bit. We've, we've over the period we've um, we've ended up using all these different platforms. And I think we've we've landed on HubSpot um, just because of the the detail that we're able to input for each particular user and the way we can integrate everything with the rest of our tech stack. So um, the Wistia product itself allows you to track who. Um, like how much people have watched a certain video, how far they've got through, what which call to actions they've clicked on. And we send all that data to HubSpot and then build our lists off the back of it. So in terms of marketing automation, it's provided the most uh, comprehensive system for us so far. Um, it's not to say that we wouldn't move to another one in the future, um, but for us, it's definitely kind of hitting that nice midpoint of um, like simple to use and able to manage with lots of different people, good level of data and, and integrations as well. Lovely. Okay. Interesting. You talked about potentially moving to something else in the future. I know you're not actively considering that at the moment, but mm. I just had a conversation with Teresa Heath Waring, and she's using a software called Kajabi yeah. uh, to, to manage as much as possible. And my fear was that um, it, it locks you in a little bit too much and makes it a little bit tricky to move elsewhere because you're mm -hmm. doing so much with it. Um, is, is that a concern of yours? Should, should that be a valid concern for marketers? I think it, I think it should be. I don't personally think it's a concern with HubSpot. I think they're, they're you know pretty good and transparent, and um, it's not too difficult to move away, and you can export the data. But certainly, I think if you're with any tech stack and any new tool that you're building, make sure you're not um, locking yourself in forever to this thing. Um, 
and that might be as simple as knowing that if you do want to migrate in the future, there's support um, offered to help you do that, or there's kind of migration tools offered as well. Um, it's nothing's worse than kind of getting yourself locked in and then being stuck with suboptimal technology and being unable to actually shift to something um, better just because the company had, you know, keen to cleaning onto your revenue without actually providing any value. Um, and particularly in the enterprise world, this is a you know a common trick, I think. And um, yeah, it's not one that I'm a fan of. So I think always always be cautious when you're choosing a provider and making sure that they're they're very transparent with their pricing, that they're not locking into excessively long contracts and that they have a clear way from you to migrate away from them in the future if you want to. Um, I think that's also usually a good indication of the quality of the tool because good, um, good products don't require lock-ins. Uh, you use them because they're good. <laughs> so that's HubSpot primarily its CRM for tool number three. So what would you say is, is tool number two? So tool number two, I'm going to go with um, a relatively new one that I've just been, that has just completely made its way into my day-to-day -day workflow, which is uh, SparkToro, which is um, uh, created by uh, Rand Fishkin, who used to um, run Moz, and Casey Henry, who uh, is an ex-Wistian himself. So, uh, uh, you know, kind of nice little geo team there and they've built this tool that basically allows you to sort of do audience insights so you can input um, certain topics certain uh, keywords or hashtags or whatever and, and it will tell you more about the kind of people that are interacting with those and using those terms across social media and what this allows you to do is really to just get a, a complete more detailed understanding of the people that you're speaking to and specifically like what other communities and cultures they're part of so let's say um you know, I was running a company doing plumbing, I might discover through this tool that actually loads of people who uh, are into plumbing are also really into cars. Um, and that gives you a really clear indication of how you can communicate with them on a more personal level and sort of say, okay, well, there's clearly a, you know, people would like to know how to set up a, a van to include, um, you know, all their gear. That's the kind of thing they'd be interested in. So you can kind of like just understand more about that wider community that you're speaking to and and i found that incredibly useful in terms of ideation and and research and development for for new content i love your use of the word wistonian i think that's a nice way to <laughs> describe people in the company there yeah. and spark, spark toro, toro as well I've, I've certainly used it a little bit as well not not a massive amount would you say it's a tool that's very useful just for particular industries or types of businesses or can any brand take advantage of that i think uh, i personally think it's very useful for any brand and this comes from a kind of wider view that i have on the the future and the development of uh, creative content i suppose in that um, increasingly it's harder to speak directly to your customer you, you, you can't this sort of funnel centric marketing where you try and you know latch onto this specific person and then guide them through this customer journey process it kind of breaks when we don't have control of um you know everything through google and facebook and you know everything is pay to play um, and so the way to kind of beat that is to basically build up a word of mouth engine and the way to build up a word of mouth engine is to find the communities that people are part of and build content and like relations within that community such that you can actually engage people and become uh, a trusted source so i i think that like marketing towards subcultures and communities is increasingly far more effective than marketing towards a customer persona and i think this is where spark becomes incredibly helpful because it allows you to like unveil and understand what what's going on behind the scenes and who these people are kind of speaking to on a day-to-day -day basis because if you really ingratiate yourself with a 
an active community, then you know you you build that brand affinity that will allow um, you to just launch a product, and all the people will immediately jump aboard and want to use it because you've you know cemented yourself and you've built up that reputation that is very very hard to lose. Um, so yeah, so I think that for that particular type of marketing, it's an invaluable tool. Yes, I love it. Uh, I've um, been fortunate to speak to Larry Kim quite a few times and mm-hmm. interview him a few times. And um, he's um, he calls one of his marketing models the reverse unicorn model. And what you mentioned there actually reminded me of that in that if you if you want to market to very niche groups of people who are likely or more likely to respond to your content on a platform like Facebook, then if you can actually target what appears to be two disparate groups, um, but perhaps the traits or the passions of a particular group. So if you wanted to market to plumbers who also happen to be fans of Lord of the Rings or something like that, you would use Lord of the Rings imagery within your market and then talk about um, the plumbing industry or something of concern to your target markets. Um, and then you're much more likely to get interaction with that. And I would assume that Spark Toro could really help with identifying those kind of subcultures. Yes, I think that's exactly what it, what it does better than any other tool I've come across yet, um, which is why I love it. Superb. Okay, well, that's number two. Uh, what is your tool number one? Uh, if you'll permit a little bit of uh, uh, self-promotion, <laughs> tool number three, uh, tool number one will be the Wistia product itself. Um, so the Wistia product itself is really, uh, what it allows you to do um, is to kind of build a Netflix for your website. So it allows you to create your own um, video channel that has all of the kind of uh, the tracking, the um, consumption habits, the, the kind of focus that you would expect from a digital like TV streaming platform. And we've just found this is so much more effective than shoving all your content on YouTube from a from a standpoint of consumption, because if somebody lands um, to your website and you're you know, sending them a series of videos and you're able to kind of have this up next system, you're able to build people in, you can just increase the level of consumption of all this content. There's no ads, there's no um, sort of distractions or anything like that. So you can build a network and an infrastructure that really allows people to just delve deep and uh, immerse themselves in all your content. Um, and through that kind of track all of their um, consumption and interactions, build that again to the CRM and then market to them more personally and that kind of thing. So building this sort of owned infrastructure around a video channel, I think is an incredibly valuable marketing tool that very, very few companies have have actually taken advantage of yet. And uh, we're really finding that's the most um, you know, effective and valuable form of marketing we, we've ever done. We're just able to build a, a, a real engine of kind of referrals and lead generation through this um, that we've never managed to do before. So it's kind of moving away from using all video on social media and instead building a kind of owned platform that, that you control. Um, and that's essentially what the Wissy product allows us to do. So we, we really believe in like, if we have to be our own best customers and uh, if you're not eating your own dog food, no one else is going to. So we've kind of really gone for this and found it to be that you know, we, we've adapted the products to ensure that it does what we need to do to market the business and, and that's sort of made it um, I think a very effective video marketing tool yeah I mean I don't think that's overly self-promotional it's it, it's a great platform and I think more importantly is that um, I think uh, which you touched upon a lot of businesses don't really contemplate losing people out of the funnel um, readily enough and quite often people will 
embed a YouTube video, for example, mm-hmm. on their website and not think about having featured or related videos at the end of that video yeah. and not think about things like having a link to YouTube at the bottom of that video as well. And people will go back to YouTube and then find something else and forget about your brand completely. So totally. having yeah that, that professional um, video suite, at least for videos viewed on your website or for your customer funnel, is this an essential way of, of, of upping your conversion rates? Uh, that's absolutely right. I, and to, to your point that you made about my pet peeve originally, that my, um, my, one of my great frustrations is people not recognizing that the data doesn't tell the full story. And you don't know when someone just leaves your website because they've clicked on the link in a YouTube video and gone off. It just appears to you as they left. Um, so the, you know, the, these kind of behaviors that are untrackable but very negative are a major problem. Um, and it's you know, much more effective when you actually understand the full story and you're trying to think about how you can um, own and capture and, and look after and nurture that audience rather than just sort of trying to hit people as many times as they you know, trawl around the web. Um, so, yeah, that's so I'm kind of very keen on shifting away from a model that thinks about touch points towards a model that thinks about like you know, active consumption and interaction. Got you. OK, no matter where people consume your content it doesn't necessarily have to be within your funnel well it doesn't it certainly doesn't have to be within your funnel but it's also um like that there's a point that somebody watching a video as they on facebook as they're just scrolling through on their phone and it just scrolls past is in no way near as valuable as someone coming to your website and watching it there and yeah. yet we often they're both tracked as a view um but these are not comparable interactions and so my, my view is let, let's sort of qualify interactions based on the time spent um, the, the choices made. So whether this is something that somebody watched uh, because it was thrust upon them is radically different than somebody choosing to watch it. Um, so if we can add this kind of qualification to interpret the value of interactions, this allows us to really understand our audience in a much more effective way and takes us from the kind of a, a funnel-centric view of the world, which I don't think is, is terribly helpful, towards a kind of audience-centric view of the world, which allows us to understand a bit more who we're communicating to, what their needs are, and how we can kind of better serve them um, which I think is ultimately what all businesses need to do in order to capture and retain customers. So talking about the value of different views, do you actually have an attribution model that attempts to put a financial value against video views in different places? So so not financial value, um, because again, that, that's something that you can't track. So it, uh, if somebody watches a video on Facebook and then converts on a later date via a PPC ad, there's no way that I can, can often connect that. It just will look like a, a you know, 100% attribution towards PPC. So I don't think that measuring ROI um, or trying to kind of put a dollar value on all interactions is is actually a valuable thing to do. What that ends up doing is just uh, prioritizing all actions that lead to conversions and nothing that actually um, starts the ball rolling. So, you know, the the kind of brand interactions, the more educational engagements, that kind of thing. So so we don't attribute in terms of um, money, but I do have an attribution model in terms of... um, consumption so like yeah something that is somebody chooses to watch initially is is offered a higher level of attribution than something that is um just forced upon them and then it's all about the actual time spent and the level of commitment so time spent in terms of like actual minutes watched and then um commitment in terms of well have they signed up for an email have they subscribed to this have they you know, um, downloaded that. So it's you know, that kind of level of what have they decided to actually commit to? Have they signed up for a free trial? That kind of thing. So it's all about um, commitment and consumption. And those are the and two things you, that form into kind of the, the lead tracking and measurement. Do you tra- track all that inside Wistia or do you use HubSpot to track some of that? Yeah, both. So uh, Wistia kind of collects the data um, and then sends it to HubSpot. And then HubSpot is our kind of home for all of that information. Um, we also use um, Mode Analytics to, to track a bunch of audience data as well. But uh, primarily HubSpot is the CRM that we use. 
Okay, mode analytics, and that's on top of Google Analytics, I presume. Uh, no, so that's something separate that we we use for. Um, so obviously, we use Google Analytics and Data Studio and all that kind of stuff. We also use mode to track um, a lot of the kind of integration between the product and the the website. So people who have so it's going to be able to tell you, for example, uh, who um, has uploaded more than five videos, uh, has embedded three, and also has you know looked at these four blog posts, you can kind of understand a bit more about the active habits of the user tied to the, um, the habits of, the, um, of, of them on the website. So it's combining those two data sources and allowing us to really understand that full um, method of uh, engagement that this particular user, whether they're a customer or not, has, has gone through and we can then qualify them on this basis. Um, so yeah, so that's a, it's, a, it's just proprietary. We've done our own tracking and we've set up all the um, all the data in mode, which is a great platform for kind of building your own, um, you know, analytics and graphs and, and data analysis. Okay, so we touched upon content marketing, your content marketing strategy earlier on a little bit. I'd just get to, like to get a little bit uh, mm -hmm. of a better feel for what your your ongoing strategy is, uh, how you decide what videos to produce on a regular basis, whether or not you produce pillar type content mm -hmm. or uh, attempt to answer questions of, of, of your audience, um, length of videos, things like that. So how do you go about forming your overarching content marketing strategy at Wistia? Yeah, so we kind of look at, um you know, we're going to have like annual goals in terms of uh, what we're trying to do, what change we want to see in the market and our own product. Um, and that, that will have like a sort of brand goal, which is more about, uh, you know, perception and positioning. We'll have a goal around, you know, acquisition. So how many customers we're trying to get, what level of, um, you know, money we're expecting them to give us, all that kind of stuff. And then lastly, we will have a, um, uh, sorry, I've lost my thought There was a thing. Oh, yeah. Um, Yes, um, so it's obviously just we're talking about in general your uh, content marketing strategy. Um, you were t talking a lot about uh, the the metrics that you, you use to measure things. Yes. So it would be good to get a feel for um, what type of content you you produce oh, on right. a regular basis as well. Sure thing. Yep. So uh, yeah, so we have the, so we have the goals, and we will kind of yeah you know, from there kind of decide well what are our major kind of pillars of messaging, um, and then we'll kind of define the goals. So define the content, and we will normally look at it from the perspective initially of um, like big pieces of content. So that's going to be big in terms of length. So that's either going to be like a series um, or it's going to be a one-off movie type thing. And we'll kind of decide, okay, well, what, what is this big centerpiece asset that we can get lots of people to spend a lot of time on that we're going to really build? So hero we, content. Yeah, kind of hero content. But it's not hero content in the way that most brands interpret it, which is more about like a kind of big budget ad. And this the major centerpiece will be a you know, three to four minute ad, and then there's a ton of supporting content that kind of runs along the same theme. Our central piece is a movie or a TV show or a big podcast series. So it's something that has a great deal of length because we're trying to encourage consumption all the time through our, through our audience. Um, so we'll kind of define the strategy for this. We'll work out who we're speaking to, what their particular needs and assets and challenges are. And we'll you know go from there to come up with a, a bunch of ideas. We're very particular about really coming up with loads and loads of ideas and then rigorously interrogating them. So our ideation process is much, much longer than I think most companies where they'll normally have an idea, decide they quite like it, and then worry about the practical stuff. We come up with loads of ideas, interrogate them all quite thoroughly, start to plan a few, and then eventually decide on one that seems to make sense given the budget, given the audience you know, and, the, and the response. So we take a while to, to really refine that. Um, and that's going to be our centerpiece content for the for the kind of year our, our hero campaigns 
We'll have like two or three of those a year usually. Um, we then will uh, support that with um, a load of content for social media that's often around trailers for that center content, um, supporting assets. So, you know, images, photos, uh, short clips, that kind of thing. So we really just think of ourselves like a media company. We think of ourselves like, uh, you know, an HBO or an NBC or something who have made a big TV show and then we're going to market that TV show. So we, we really like use social media to market our content rather than our brand and our product mostly. We do do a little bit of that, but the majority it's major, um, marketing our, our content and that's our major marketing asset. We'll then also like take a kind of uh, a more of a sort of um, you know, search centric kind of, I suppose, below the line, you might call it, look at uh, content as well. So we'll, you know, we'll look at queries that need to rank for, we'll create content that's kind of going to match that in blog posts and videos. We will um, look at kind of market need based on what our customers are telling us and try and create some content to support that as well. And we'll also have some stuff that just, you know, is kind of um, quick to make that maybe we just had this idea this week. We think it's a low effort, low return piece or low effort medium return and we'll just kind of knock it out as well. So there's, you know, it's kind of layered based on investment and we call it like one star content three-star content, five-star content based on like the effort and the potential return. And we try and structure the majority of the campaigns around these big five-star hero campaigns and then support that with a lot of, um, you know, kind of secondary content that perhaps is more evergreen and less campaign-centric. Love it. I really love the way that you consider yourselves as a, as a media company. Do you think that um, every brand should consider themselves as a media company? Obviously, they won't be able to do as much volume um, or perhaps even quality as Wisley can do on a regular basis. But um, do you think every brand should have that one piece of incredible hero content that they look to produce on an annual basis? Uh, I think I think they might do whether or not they make it one giant piece and, and or not is another question. But I do think brands should certainly start thinking about themselves as media companies. And I would say that we're doing it right now. We're creating a podcast. This is a this is a media asset, um, and it's you know kind of separate from the the products or services, and it's something that we're really kind of building as a media thing that somebody's going to want to come and consume. So I don't think you need to start thinking about things in terms of um, that media mentality. Um, and I would just advise companies to think bigger than they are right now. So if right now they're just creating you know three blog posts a month. Um, they're sort of using a fairly loosely defined process of trying to match search demand and what they think people might want to talk about to kind of work out what to, to write. Um, and they don't really know to go from there. It's like, okay, well, how can we think of a bigger idea? How can we think of a media centric idea that kind of maybe will have its own sub brand? Can we kind of evolve into that space? So I do think that that's the kind of mentality that's needed. Um, and the best way to start with that is kind of this thing that we talked about earlier with these subcultures and, um, and understanding who you're speaking to, what their main interests are, and can you create like the best content on the web for that very niche interest? So it certainly seems that Wistia is further ahead than most companies in terms of its use of marketing technology. But can you think of one process that you currently do manually that you may wish to automate using marketing technology in the future? Yes, uh, this is a little bit wishful, but I, I think we're going to get there in two to three years, um, which is I want to be able to just set up a camera in a room and it automatically shoot and edit a multi-camera setup. So essentially like an interview show um, mm. that you can just put in a room or like we're doing right now across uh, video conferencing. Um, and it will automatically edit it with multiple shoots with, um, you know, improve the, the color, the compositing, and basically allow you to just record and immediately publish a, um, you know, something that will look like a uh, traditional interview TV show that, yeah, historically has required 
three high-end cameras and a lot of editing and and you know yeah. huge members of staff to kind of do that on the fly um we're getting there like obviously we have a setup that we use to basically do live switching with multiple cameras um you know it's probably a 10 grand setup and i want that setup to cost 500 bucks and i'm thinking we might get there in a few years that's the the kind of thing that I absolutely love as well, and I've I've actually looked into that a little bit. I, I use VMix uh, to produce a lot of live uh, live videos. Well, uh, I'm kind of using it at the moment. I'm only using it at the moment to create a, an overlay and a green screen behind me. Yeah. But uh, I've looked into it, and, and there are some kind of third party. I don't know if you call them plugins or some associated programs that um you you can use to create uh, multi camera shoots and automatically switch to different cameras depending on who's talking. So mm-hmm. it it certainly seems possible using that. I'm not sure if you've used VMix in the past at all. I have. Yeah, I've used. I've tried out a bunch of these things. I think it's and, and it's a clear indication of where things are going to go. Like I remember trying to set up a multi cam stream about ten years ago, and it was you know a huge effort. And now it's kind of relatively achievable for most people. So I'm just keen to see yeah. you know, Moore's law kick in and that's going to become um, fairly simple. And that thing that I spent, you know, an entire year learning how to do 10 years ago, I'll be able to learn in an hour. In a few. And everyone will be able to learn an hour. So, yeah. <laughs> well, to close up, what is something that you have in mind that would be a wonderful piece of marketing technology, but perhaps doesn't even exist yet, but you would love to see created? You know, for me, the the main thing that makes all the difference in marketing is audience understanding. Like if you know who you're speaking to, you understand their problems, you you can do everything better. Um, And the companies that don't do very well, I think, are invariably those that have a very shallow or a very um, formulaic understanding of their actual customers. So I think there's a huge amount of space in audience research. I would like to be able to automate the process of... um, you know, getting people in a room and doing a proper focus group and be able to just kind of instantly call upon a resource that had that, um, that ability, the, the means of which we can speak to uh, potential customers, new customers, influencers, and, and really understand what they think about the world. Um, I don't know that, how that would even be possible, but that right now is a big laborious challenge. Um, and I think anything that can be created to kind of automate that process and, and make people really understand um, who we're speaking to and, and what they care about would be would be terribly valuable. I love your answers because every single answer you give, I'm tempted to go down a rabbit hole and uh, probe f- further <laughs> into each uh, answer. But uh, that's perhaps for another day. So um, I'm just going to say at the moment, um, thank you so much for your time and your tips today, Phil. A um, lot of incredible information you've shared. What's the best way for the listener to find out more about you and what you do? Um, probably follow me on the social medias. So I'm on Twitter at Phil Nottingham. Um, or you can just drop me an email at phil at Wonderful stuff. Thanks again. Thanks, David. And thank you, dear listener, for joining us. If you haven't done so already, sign up for your free trial of Content Cal, plan, collaborate on, approve and publish your content in one simple and intuitive calendar interface. Plus check out all the other MarTech Stack Show episodes over at contentcal.io. Also, wherever you're watching or listening to the show, let us know your opinion. What are the three most important marketing technologies in your business? Let us know and we'll try and give you a shout out on a future show or maybe even have you on as a future guest. Thanks again.